Uh, well, hey, my name is Dan Underhill. I am the student pastor here at Lake Hills Church. Our pastor is getting some very much deserved uh, rest right now. And I get the pleasure of moving on in our brand new series, Tipping Point. Can you look at the person and you say, Tipping Point. Tipping Point. Tipping Point is about those life decisions, okay, those fork-in-the-road moments where you go, if I take this one decision or if I take this one step, if I choose this path, it's going to change everything. It will absolutely alter the course of everything moving forward. And I want to do that by telling you a little bit about where I came from. You see, most of you know me here as a student pastor. I've been here about six years Okay, working with the greatest generation on the face of the planet with your kids. Now, before that, oh, you should have done a lot better than that. These guys are great. They're doing so good. So good. Before that, I was in New York. Most of you may know that, okay, but I was doing youth ministry and I was doing some executive coaching. And my wife and I had just purchased a home. This is about 2011. All right. right around 2011 in, in January, we purchased a home, and things were going great. Things were moving in great directions. The coaching business was doing great. Our student ministry was doing great. We were doing great because it's easy to do great when your wife is Kelly. She's amazing. All right. She tolerates this. You should do a lot better job than that, too. You guys had any idea what she has to tolerate. It's out of control. But life was going great. Life was amazing. And then I got a phone call, and it was a tipping point phone call. That phone call was from a friend of mine, Chris Durso. Chris and I worked together in New York City doing a ton of youth ministry collaboration, a lot of work with conferences and youth guys and equipping and resourcing and raising up the next generation there. I got a phone call from him saying, hey, Dan, I just got a phone call from a guy in Austin, Texas. He's looking for a guy. And I'm like, that's great. But what's that got to do with me? And he's like, man, he goes, I'm telling you, Dan, your name is all over this. It's Austin, Texas. It's barbecue. It's country music. It's lake life. It's you, Dan. And I'm like, I got a job. What are you talking about? You see, I had this idea, and this is a shameful admission. Please forgive me. Being from New York, thinking about Texas, we're like, I don't own a horse. <laughs> what will I, how will I get to work? You know? And it was just all these crazy, crazy ideas that we had. We're like, I don't have belt buckles, cowboy boots, and I don't like tumbleweed. <laughs> and I'm like, Wait. And so we had all these crazy misunderstandings. I said, that's awesome, but I got a job. And he goes, man, I'm telling you, Dan, I know you. This is you. Clearly, he was right, okay? Spoiler alert. Um, but he said, I want you to talk to him about student ministry down there. And I said, no, sir. And he goes, what? He goes, you won't talk to him? I said, absolutely not. I said, talk with my pastor first, and if he gives you permission for me to talk to him, about this opportunity, I said, then I'm good with it. But until then, no way. You see, I believe in the principle of authority. I never want to do something out from underneath the umbrella of authority. And I didn't want to start interviewing with a church, an amazing church, that's great, 
while my pastor didn't know about it, I felt like that would be a little bit dirty and a little bit underhanded. And I said, no, 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 no. And I learned, I said, you know what? This is a tipping point decision that I already had to have the character and the values in place to make the decision that I made when it came to me. And that was to say, no, I haven't talked to my pastor. If he tells me I can talk to him and he's on board with it and green lights it, hey man, wheels up and we'll start having a conversation. It's great. And he was like, whatever, dude, <laughs> that's crazy, right? And so he did, he talked with my pastor and he was just like, yeah, absolutely, have a conversation. You're not going anywhere, but talk away. It'll be great. And so it was at that moment, I didn't realize I was at a tipping point moment. That decision on interviewing here and moving to Austin, Texas has changed everything for me and my family. And I kind of want to walk you through how that decision came about and the biblical principles that I used in my story in case you're walking through maybe a similar story or you're at a similar point where you're at a tipping point. If you make this decision, it's totally going to change everything. And if you make that decision, it's going to change everything. I want to walk you through how I made that choice. You see, the very first thing that I did was I chose to move under authority. I chose to move under authority. And when you're about to make a critical decision, a fork in the road moment decision, when you're about to make that decision, you have to choose to move under authority. See, my pastor was my authority and he had the call and that was a, that was a place that I had submitted myself. And authority is a tricky, tricky thing. You see, you have to choose to submit to authority. It's an active choice. How many parents know what I mean when you got some kids, you're like, I wish they'd choose some authority, right? It's, it's critical to our success. It's a critical to our progress. It's critical to our character when we choose to operate under authority. This is what the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 13. It says in Hebrews 13, 7, it says, obey your leaders and submit to them. For they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account and let them do it with joy and not groaning for what, for that would be of no advantage to you. So as soon as I got my authority, my pastor to give me the green light, I was like, okay, we can start talking about this. This is kind of neat. This is kind of cool. And so we did. All of a sudden, I got a phone call from Mac Richard, and we start talking. You guys ever have those moments you start talking to somebody on the phone, and it's just, you know, you never met them before, or you meet them for the first time, and it's like you click. You're just like, this guy's a man. Yeah. All right. I love it. And we start talking about who we listen to, how we preach, what our character, what our values are, what we love, what we hate, right? And we're like, man, it's like we're walking in rhythm. And things just started going really, really well. And I'm like, man. This is great, but I had to make sure I stayed under authority. And before I moved on, I started asking some people around me about this choice and about this decision. I started asking them their opinion on whether I should do it or not. You see, in January, we had just bought our house, and it was our dream house. We had been searching for a house from Kelly, me, Eve, Jake, and Logan at the time. You see, Eden wasn't here. And we found it, we moved into it, everything was going amazing. And I didn't want to mess that up, even though this one choice was starting to pull at me a little bit. And I was like, what is happening here? What is God doing? 
I felt like a draw that I didn't understand. Authority is a tricky, tricky thing. When you choose to submit to authority, it protects you underneath its umbrella. It keeps you from being exposed to things that you don't need to be exposed to. You see, when you're under that authority umbrella, you're protected. When you step out and want to make your own choices and say, I want to do it my way, it's on you. Hopefully you made a good choice. You see, I'm not that smart. I have to make sure that I stay under authority and say, man, how do I do this and how do I do this right? And so we kept talking, we kept talking, and Mac, things were going great. He starts telling me all about it. And I'm like, man, that sounds great. And he goes, this is what we believe. I remember one moment I said, hey, Mac, I want to be right up front with you. I'm super sarcastic, okay? And I like to joke and kid around a lot. And if that doesn't work for you, man, we should just stop talking right now. He goes, I think you're going to fit in just fine. Little did I know I was going to get put an education on, on humor and sarcasm in the way that this community was. You guys are awesome, and we fit in like a hand in a glove. But at those moments, I was sitting there going, man, I don't know, I don't know what I should do. And you get caught in some moments and you want to test authority. Because the guy told me, my, my authority at the time, my pastor told me, he goes, you can interview, but you're not going anywhere. You know, the true test of authority is whether or not you trust it and you obey it when you disagree with it. That's the test of authority. That's the principle of authority. When you disagree and yet you follow the orders and the commands, the direction, you obey your leaders because they watch over your souls, that's the job. That's the job that we're talking about that Mac Richard used to do here at Lake Hills. That goes so well for you. But it's not until you disagree that you really find out if you're under authority. You see, if you have a kid for 2.1 seconds, you understand this. You understand, okay, that it's like, hey, this is your choice. I don't understand it. I disagree. And I'm just going to do it. Yes, sir, mom and dad. That's not always the response. And if we're candid and we're honest, that's not always our response either, is it? When we disagree with the choice that is made, how do we respond? How many of you guys here, or girls, how many of you have people that work for you? There are people that work on your team underneath you. You have people you got to take care of. You want them to be under authority, don't you? You want them that when you make a call, when you make a decision, even if they don't understand it, they still walk out and carry it out, don't you? That's what we all want. You see, we can't get caught up in the moment of, well, I disagree, but... That was his call anyway. That was her call. So guys, we'll do the best we can. That's not moving under authority. That's creating disunity and disloyalty. And there's no room for disloyalty at the foot of the cross. It doesn't turn out well when we operate like that. And secondarily, people see it. The people who live with us see it. The people who eat at our dinner table or that we put on the bus to go to school or drive to their soccer games, they see it too. We can't try to be an authority without being under authority. In fact, the better way to say it is, if you can't get under what God has put over you, you will never get over what God wants to put under you. You will limit yourself. You will absolutely limit yourself if you can't get underneath that authority. And when the decision is made, even if you disagree, 
you understand how to carry it out. Now, I'm not saying that you can't have an opinion. One of the greatest things that happens at our lead team meetings is Matt goes, hey, I'm looking for someone to disagree with me. Tell me. You know, and he, he loves that push-pull. But at the end of the day, when Mac has to make a decision, my job is not to question it. My job is to say, here's my best professional opinion. Here's what my experience is. Here's what I know. Here's what I've seen. Here's what I believe. Here are my values. And this is what it is. And he has to make a call because he has more information than I do about the bigger picture. My job at that point, if he says, I understand, and this is the way to go, my job is to walk out of that door and say, guys, here we go. You have no idea. It's going to be unbelievable. I don't need to communicate to you that he doesn't know what he's doing. And by no stretch do I want you to walk out of here saying, wow, that youth guy, he really doesn't like his boss. He always has to be under authority. No, no, no. He's great. This is a principle of authority. Whether you're a pastor or you own a mortgage bank or you're a doctor or you sell medical supplies, the principle of authority is pivotal to you having the character to walk out God's calling in your life. So let's go back to the story. At that point, I'm like, man, I don't know if I should take this job or not. And I said, well, how am I going to do this? I started asking people around me that I put in my life that I trust. What I did was I went out and I sought wise counsel. If you're at a fork in the road moment, a tipping point decision, you need to seek wise counsel. Seek wise counsel. Emphasis on wise counsel. Don't go just ask everybody, okay? Don't just ask everybody what you should do. You need to find the wise people, the people that are in your life who can tell you the truth in love. This is what it says in Proverbs 15, 22. It says, without counsel, plans fail. But with many advisors, they succeed. Keep going in Proverbs eleven fourteen. This is what it says. Where there is no guidance, the people fall. But in abundance of counselors, there is victory. Every one of us need people in our lives that we can trust. People that we can go to and say, hey, I know you and you know me. And I need to be open, honest, and candid with you. And I have to be a word that we don't like. Vulnerable. I have to be wide open, honest with you. So that way you know the whole story and I trust you because you've proven that you're behind me. You're that kind of person in my life. And there's not a lot of them. There are only a few. That's why you seek wise counsel. You're open, okay? You're honest with everybody. But you are transparent with very, very few. There needs to be that small pocket of people that you have that you could trust no matter what. They have your back no matter what happens. And they know who you really are. And they won't know if you're being you until you're honest and vulnerable with them. They need you to be open and honest with them so that that way they can help you. They can't make informed decisions if they're getting half the story. And unfortunately, we try to put up a lot of facade sometimes, don't we? We want people to see the best us. No, I, wanna, no, I don't want anybody to know that I struggle I don't want anybody to know that my kids don't always obey and say, yes, ma'am, and yes, sir. They say other words sometimes. The laugh of recognition. 
It's okay. And I would love to pull that burden right off your back today. Just grab it and pull it right off. Again, do not share all of your business with everybody. But there needs to be a precious few that you can seek counsel and you can seek advice from, that you can tell the truth and say, man, I'm really struggling here. I don't know where I should go. Should I do this or should I do that? And they are there for you. They don't need something for you. They are there to give, have your back no matter what happens. They're behind you and you alone. They love you. They're behind you. We need those people. You see, I have a few of those people in my life. Some of them are here local, and some of them live across the country. Then when I came to this moment, I had to go seek their counsel. And man, is it so refreshing when you're talking to them. One of them I called. So Chris had called me, and then I talked to my pastor, and they worked everything out, and it was good for me to talk with Mac. And Again, he said, you can talk to him, but you're not going anywhere. Spoiler alert, I'm here. <laughs> but anyway... I started seeking some of this counsel out. I remember talking to one guy individually, and it was unbelievable. He goes, he goes, Ian, let me understand this correctly. He goes, uh, you're wondering if God's calling you to Austin, Texas, the home of barbecue, country music, big trucks, and an event venue and lake life like there's no other. He goes, Dan, I couldn't write it easier for you. He goes, I'm having a hard time understanding how you don't see that this is God. This is God bringing everything you love and saying, here, I want to bring you to it. And I was like, yeah, I don't know, man, but Texas and the deserts and the tumbleweed and stuff, and you know, I don't really know. Like, I mean, all I saw was like pictures of El Paso and stuff. You know? No offense if you're from El Paso. My brother was stationed there, very dusty. But I had no idea. But then I started taking the counsel. I started feeling that pull, and I'm like, wait a minute. These guys are trying to help me. I'm going to trust this. I'm going to continue to walk down this path. I'm going to continue to walk down this road because I know that you love me. I know that you're behind me. I know that I can trust you. And, man, you have got to have those people in your life. Because without those people, I wouldn't have taken the next step and continued the conversation. You see, we kept having conversations on the phone. Mac would call, and we'd do an hour interview. They'd hang up, like, man, that's good. They'd call another four or five days, have another hour interview. Man, that was really good. That was really good. They'd have another interview, another phone call. I remember one. I finally had my first home office in this dream house. I remember it was like this paper-thin door. You guys ever seen those doors that there's nothing in between them? It's just literally like, like fake wood, two pieces of paper, and they put a handle between it. All right? That's what I had. And I'm in there, and I'm on the phone, and I'm like, yeah, this is what I believe, and this is what I think about theology, and the next generation, it's going to be amazing. We can do this, we can do this, and this. And Max's like, that's awesome, we can do this. And all of a sudden, my wife opens the door, she's like, hey, tell that Mac Richard, it's time for dinner. I'm like, Okay, it wasn't like she was 300 feet away. Okay, it was a small house. She was here. And I'm like, hello. You know, she was right here. And I'm like, shh, quiet. Yeah, tell that Mac Richard, it's time for dinner. 
I'm like, I'll be there in a minute. I was like, you know, this is great. We continued on because this wasn't an easy moment. You see, for my wife, she was born and raised for 34 years in the same community. She was in the same church, in the same neighborhoods, with the same friends. And God was pushing us to a point to make a decision that was going to take us out of our comfort and our security. And sometimes that makes us a little bit frustrated, doesn't it? When God pushes us to a moment to make a decision that might jeopardize our security, it might jeopardize our comfort and what we know because he has something better for us. But we can't see the better, so we're just frustrated that it's in jeopardy. Now see, my wife is amazing, and if any of you know her, she's the most real person you'll meet. She's hilarious. And she puts up with a lot being married to me. And I way out punted my coverage with her. That being said, we weren't exactly on the same page in this decision. You ever been in a decision where you weren't exactly on the same page? I know you're like, (laughs) him, not me. We're always united in one front. That's very, very real. But we knew that we were for each other. That no matter what, I wasn't leaving. I wasn't going anywhere. Trust me, I could not get a better deal. Okay, There was nothing better available. There never will be for me. In that moment, we had to push in to God. Because those forks in the road, those forks are opportunities to engage with God. You see, we weren't on the same page with this one just yet. We weren't quite there. And those are opportunities for you to engage with God. That drove me to prayer more. That drove me to talk more, to communicate more. How many men you are just like, huh? I don't want to talk more. You know? It's like, yeah, I'm good. I told you, I'm fine. If I have another emotion, I'll let you know. (laughs) But we had to work through and talk through what I'm thinking, what I'm feeling, where I was, what she was thinking and feeling, what we were experiencing together. You see, those fork in the road moments that open up that opportunity, Here's what God says when you engage with him. This is what it says in Jeremiah 33.3. It says, Call to me and I will answer you, and I will tell you great and hidden things that you have not known. If you're at one of those moments, God is saying, Call to me and I will answer you. I will tell you of the great and hidden things, things that you have not known. And I don't know about you, but man, there are a lot of things that I don't know. But I love that I've got a God who's waiting anxiously to talk to me. To say, come to me and I'll help you. I'll help you work through it because I love you. There's nothing I wouldn't do for you. And this just isn't isn't an isolated experience. This is not one time in the Bible. Here's what it says in Isaiah 30, verse 24 says, 21, sorry. And your ears shall hear a word behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. When you turn to the right, when you turn to the left. God is saying, I will stand right behind you, loving you and guiding you like a good father would to make sure, oh, you're a little too far outside the lines over here. Come on. 
moving to the right or to the left. He wants to engage with you. He wants to talk with you. The question we really need to ask is, do we want to talk to him? How do we engage with him? And I know there's an easy out for you. Well, you're a pastor. It's easy for you to hear from God. This has nothing about pastors. It doesn't say if you're a pastor, God will answer. This says if you call out. In fact, this is what it says in Psalm 85.8. It says, let me hear what God the Lord will speak, for he will speak peace to his people and to his saints. But let them not turn back to folly. And then in Proverbs 8, 17, it says this, I love those who love me, and those who seek me diligently, they will find me. God is saying, if you seek me, you will find me. If you come after me, I cannot lie. I have to respond. He's not a man that he should lie, the Bible says. He cannot break his word. It's impossible for him to do it. He wants to speak to you. You have to engage him. And it says those who diligently seek him, they will find him. We have to be diligent about seeking him. Are we diligent about seeking him? Are we opening up the word? Are we reading his word that he's given us, our Bibles? Spending time saying, I really need to know what to do. I can't tell you the number of times I've had people look at me and say, I really need to know what God wants me to do. When was the last time you read your Bible? Oh man, that's hard. It's a roadmap. It's an instruction manual, right? How many of you have kids? How many of you guys have kids? How many of you guys know what Legos are, right? You guys know what Legos are? Legos, I believe, is what the fiery furnace will be. He'll put Legos out on the floor, and you have to walk over it with no shoes, right? How many of you guys ever stepped on a Lego in the middle of the night? You know your mind did not go, Hallelujah, Lord, I love you. Ooh. Right? You might Right? Legos. When you open up, I'm sorry, back up. When you go to the store to buy the Legos, why do you buy it? Because you look at the picture on the... Sometimes the picture on the box doesn't look the same as when you open up the box, does it? When you open up the box, there's nothing but pieces, right? There's nothing but pieces. And it's do the next right thing. Take the next right step. God might give you a piece to the puzzle and then says... Come back and I'll give you another one. That's an invitation. It's an opportunity to engage. It's an opportunity to engage with our God. The one who knows us and knows everything that has happened in our past and will happen in our future. Who better to go and talk to and say, would you tell me, would you show me? And his word says, if you diligently seek me, you will find me. I will not leave you hanging. I'll give you one more piece. I'll give you one more piece. One more piece, and then you finally have Star Wars Battleship. Lego. 2017. But we get distracted when we go and we get one piece, don't we? I need the answer, God. We're looking for the finished product, the box. What does it look like on the box? And God says, here's your piece. Take the next right step. Just do this. Just do this. And God wants to answer us. But we have to 
engage him. You see, if my wife called me right now, even if I didn't have caller ID, I would recognize her voice. You know why? The time we've spent together. We've been together for 20 years. I recognize her voice. I know when she says, hey, hon, or she's like, sweetie. You know, I, I know the differences in those tones, okay? And because I make a lot of mistakes, she's so gracious and so kind. But I know those tones, I know those. Why? Because of proximity, because of connection, because of time in with each other, time together. It's the same with God. The time we spend in his word, the time we spend in his house, the time we spend listening And we don't always have to read, even though reading is amazing. Sometimes we need to listen and say, God, if you know everything that's going to happen in my life, would you tell me what I should do next? Maybe less time reading and telling God our request and more time saying, God, what do you want from me? Speak, God, for your servant listens. And it's my desire to do what you've called me to do. I want to be what you've called me to be. But I can't do it unless you speak. And your word says that if I seek you, which I am, you, I will find you. And Lord, time to go. That is living. That is living on a whole different level. That's living on a plane that supersedes all the rest. You see, those moments don't come right away. It's a process. It starts by being under authority and choosing to move under authority. And then seeking wise counsel. Having relationships that get muddy, that get difficult, that get messy, and choosing to trust. And say, no, I choose to trust you. I choose to trust you. So back to our story when we're coming down here. All of a sudden, Matt gets to a point and the conversation goes, I'm tired of talking to you on the phone. I said, me too. I'm not a phone guy, okay? Text me. Don't call me, right? He's like, I want you to come down here. I want to meet you. I want to see you. I want to meet your wife. And we came down, and we were flying down here. And, man, this was tough. I remember it was on the plane. My wife looked at me, and she goes, so how do we interview? And I'm like, what do you mean, how do we interview? We always interview to win. You don't ever lose. Sorry, I was competitive before I got here. And I said, you know, just interview to get the job. Tell them the truth, no matter what. Don't hide anything. Because you know what? If they don't like what they see, better to know now, because you're going to find out. And she goes, okay. She goes, as long as I don't get stuck with a boring pastor's wife. I'm like... Sure, babe. And I did my research. I'd researched Mac and watched his speaking engagements, his messages. Okay? I did no research on Julie. Okay? I didn't know. Should have done better research. And so that way I was aware and prepared. We got here, and as we got off the plane, we met some awesome staff that picked us up. We got delayed. Oh, my God. I think it was like 1 or 2 in the morning that we got picked up by the awesome Wilsons who picked us up and took us to our hotel. And then the next day, here's your interview schedule. We want you to move through this. We want you to interview here. You're going to go through these, 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 and these. Okay, great. They said, and Kelly's going to go with Julie for the day. And I was like, who's Julie? Little did I know 
Julie is not boring. <laughs> Julie and Kelly rode around for the day. I still to this day have no idea what they did. I was sweating bullets the entire time as I'm interviewing four or five different people. Did I, okay, yes, 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 this is what I would do. This is how I believe. This is what I think. What's Kelly doing? <laughs> Who'd she get stuck with? Julie is crazy gifted, crazy talented, crazy amazing, and a gift to our church here at Lake Hills. Do you agree? My wife came home that night from that conversation at home. She came back to the hotel and she's like, I think I love her. She is awesome. And I'm like, yes, Jesus. But I still still didn't have a clear answer. I just knew it was going in the right direction. And I remember that night, we were at the Barton Creek Country Club, staying there. And I remember going to bed and saying, God, You've got to tell her because for me, I can pick up and sleep anywhere. I can pick up and work anywhere. I'm a guy. I hardly even need, like, water. I can just exist, right? I said, but she's leaving security. She's leaving home. She's leaving a family. She's leaving a church. She's leaving everything she's known for 34 years. And I've heard sometimes that ladies prefer to have security and comfort. I said, God, you gotta, yeah, you gotta talk to her. You gotta tell her. Cause I'm good either way. And I remember her telling me this after the fact, because I didn't know this at the time. She said, I went to bed that night at about 11:45. She said she put her head on the pillow, and she said, God, I came down here not wanting to be here, and now I'm conflicted. My heart is pulled. It's at a tipping point. So God, what I need you to do is I need you to speak. And I can't trust my own heart, but I know that my dad hears from you. And she left, she submitted to authority of God and said, God, if you tell my father, then I'll know it's you. You see, her father was someone who is a great man of God, hears from the Lord very well. He's probably forgotten more about the Lord than I'll ever know. And that being said, he hates it when family moves away. He hates it. We said, God, if he says then we know because it's totally opposite of his character. 11.45 at night, she puts her head on the pillow. I have no idea of this. I'm just praying. God, show us what you want us to do. Right around 8.30 that morning, we're getting up, getting ready to go down and meet Mac for some breakfast and continue having conversations. I got a phone call. It was Kelly's father. He's like, my daughter there? I'm like, good morning, in-laws. How are you? Pleasure to hear your lovely angelic voice this morning. Put her on the phone. Yes, sir. I put her on the phone uh, with her dad. And we're getting into the elevator. And I can still see it now. I can see it clear as day. Tears well up in her eyes. And she just starts crying. What I didn't know was happening was that at 11.45 that night, she put her head on the pillow and said, God, tell my father, because I know he hears from you. And at 8.30 that morning, he was on the phone saying, hey, we'll see you for Thanksgiving because mom and I are coming to Austin. God's telling you guys to move there. God is good at answering prayers. Am I right? He is good and faithful to answer our prayers. How amazing is it that God will answer us in those moments? 
I had no idea when I took the first phone call in June that I'd be living here in November. Everything was going great. It was our dream house. But I had to make a choice to trust. I was at a tipping point saying, God, I'm going to submit all of this to you and stay underneath your authority. I'm also going to seek wise counsel. Those around me who know me and tell me the truth in love, they'll tell me stuff even when it hurts. I'm not ashamed of that. I want accountability in my life. And then, after I do all of that, God, I still, absolutely still, need to engage with you. I need to hear you. I want to take advantage of that opportunity to engage with you. And I choose to trust you. When I tell you, it has been a tipping point decision for me to come here. That dream house I was telling you about, I'm so proud to tell you. If you know me personally, you know a little more. But that dream house pales in comparison to the house we just bought a year ago in July here. It's nothing compared to it. When I chose to trust God, he said, this is what you thought. One Lego in a box going, okay, I can be faithful with this one little Lego. And he goes, look at what I got for you. You get to pastor the greatest student ministry on the face of the planet. The culture, the character, the passion and enthusiasm that these kids have is unmatched. I've done youth ministry all across the country. Never have I seen them as strong as yours. I get to work in a church. They deserve it. And you deserve it too. You've done a great job parenting them. I get to work in a church where I can be the, under the authority of Mac and Julie Richard. Man, I've been all across the country. You have got a gift in this house. Mac and Julie love you. They care about you. They work relentlessly for you. I get to work with the greatest pastors on the planet. They love you and they're for you. I get to live in the Garden of Eden called Austin. Again, remember, I was like, I don't have a horse. During the first service, one lady said, she goes, maybe God will bless you with a horse. I'm like, oh, Lord. I don't know about that. It's a lot of money, a horse. But I live in the Garden of Eden, and you know what? That's Austin. It's beautiful. It's not what I thought. It's not what I ever even believed was possible. And it was so much better because you know what? It's not just the Garden of Eden. It's the VIP section of the west side of Austin, isn't it? We live by the lake with an unbelievable community. Why do I tell you this? Not because I'm smart. No. God can take a fool and say, if you just submit to his authority, if you seek that wise counsel, God can do more than you ever dreamed. God can do more if you trust. But will you trust him? Because you've got to come to a point, either he's God or he's not. Because if he's God, he told the oceans where to stop. And the oceans are massive and they're mighty. They're strong and they're powerful. But they're nothing compared to the hand of a God who says, that's as far as you can go. And he controls the sea. 
That's the same God who loves you and loves me. The same God who says, I have a plan. You might be at a tipping point right now, but I have such a plan. If you just trust me, if you stay under authority, if you seek that wise counsel, if you come after me, if you engage with me and you hear me and you seek after me, you will find me. And when you do, I will open up a life you've never believed was possible for you. You just have to believe. You just have to believe. Would you bow your heads with me? See, there's a tipping point decision that comes to all of our lives. And it's what to do with this Jesus. What to do with God who loves us and cares for us and sent his son to die because Jesus did all the things we're talking about. He submitted his will to the Father under his authority. He did that. So that that way you could be reconnected to him and reconnected to God the Father who loves you. And you might be sitting here right at that tipping point saying, this is the only service I'll ever go to. This is the last time I'm going to church. I'm not trying one more time. I've been burned and I'm not trying one more time. And you are at a tipping point decision to say, I choose you, God. I choose to operate underneath your authority and accept the free gift of salvation from your son. And if that's you, we've prayed for you. It's the reason why we do everything we do here is for you. It's a small, quiet prayer that you can say if you're at that moment. It's between you and the Lord. You don't have to say it out loud and just say, God, I choose to trust you. I'm going to step across the line of faith and say, I choose you as my Lord and my Savior. And with everybody's head bowed and eyes closed and nobody in that moment except for you, if that's you and that's where you are, We want you to know we are behind you. We are for you. We are those people who are behind you no matter what. We're just behind you. Would you share that moment with us? If you prayed that prayer and that's where you're at, would you clearly and definitively just put your hand in the air and say, that's me. That's what I'm facing. That's the decision that I'm making today. To step across the line of faith. We couldn't be more proud of you. You are why we do what we do. And we have a tradition around here. As you put your hand down, we put our hands together and say, welcome to the family. Welcome home.